Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henn. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel Ohio. And during this holiday season, we said, listen, we're just going to look at five key themes in Philippians, and then I'll just kind of tailor a Thanksgiving message and a Christmas message as well. So tonight is that Thanksgiving message. And so if you would turn in the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms, chapter 106, Psalms 106, and Psalms is really easy to find. You open your Bible in the middle, you should be there. (laughs) If you're in Proverbs, turn back a little bit. But pretty much if you open it square in the middle, you should be in Psalms. Psalms 106. Our text is going to be verses 7 through 13. And our message is give thanks. Give thanks. Psalm 106. I'm always the last one there to make sure you get there first. We're actually going to start in verse 1 to set up our text, which will be 7 uh, through 13, but we're going to start in verse 1 because it kind of sets it up for us a little bit. Verse 1, it says this, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. That is, when we give thanks like that, when we read that truth, when we believe that truth, when we declare that truth with our mouths, we proclaim it. You you understand there's something about speaking forth God's truth in faith. There's power in that. Do you know that? When, When we believe it, when we speak it, when we give thanks, when we when we worship. That creates an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of faith that we need, listen, to face whatever it is that we have to face, to walk through whatever it is we have to walk through, because I don't know if you notice or not, we're in a war. Anybody? Ultimately, when we we worship God, Listen, when we give thanks to God and we begin to fix our eyes on Jesus, what happens is we actually experience him. We experience his presence. We experience his power. We we experience his peace. We David said it this way. We get strengthened in the Lord, right? No, no matter our circumstances, it can be totally independent of our circumstances. Listen, when, when God's moving, when God's done a miracle, when God's provided, it's easy to fill his presence. It's easy to worship him and praise him. But listen, you can have that peace. You can have that power. You can have that presence in the worst, darkest circumstances of your life. I've seen it happen. In fact, I experienced it on Thursday night. There was a group of us Thursday night at Altman Hospital uh, from the church as Des's mom was struggling with COVID. And listen, we've been praying for healing for days. And that day, uh, 
she just took a considerable turn for the worst. And so I'm contending to God that, that God, you can breathe life back into her. You can raise her from the dead. And listen, I'll contend for that. I'll contend for God to do a miracle until I know he's done. Does anybody want somebody to pray for you like that? Anybody believe in a God, the same God who did miracles when he was here, that we serve the same God yesterday, today, and forever? We've got a little bit too westernized in our thinking. We think we, we put way too much stock in science. I'm not anti-science, totally for it, totally for all that stuff. But what it can do is it can cause us to kind of not believe. And so listen, I'm, I'm going to pray till it's done. When, when it's done, I'll release it to God. And so listen, contended all day and everybody came around her because we knew this was probably it. And we prayed one more time, you know, God, God, we know you can. We we know who you are. Breathe life back into her. And, and when I knew, okay, well, in God's sovereignty, this is her time and we're going to release her. And as we did, we're all there and, and of course, I'm, I'm just glad Des and Kat were there because they can sing. They queue up their phones and, and Des and Kat, just like you see them on the stage right here, they're bouncing up and down singing worship songs, singing for the victory of Jesus Christ even over death, singing about his greatness and his goodness and the fact that Deborah, her her race was done, she finished well, but she wasn't there, she wasn't dead, she was with Jesus. And listen, we praised God and we worshiped him and God's presence was in that room and God's peace was in that room and grace flowed in that room. And listen, church, that is is the way it is supposed to be. When you have genuine faith, when you have genuine love, listen, it changes everything. It changes everything. We have too many people going to church. We have too many people saying nice things about when people die. And listen, they never knew the Lord. They never knew Jesus. It's different when you do. Totally different. Day and night. The nurse came to Des after it was over. She said, I've never seen anything like that. Never seen anything like, what, how many years? 15 years? 16 years? I've never seen anything like that. The send-off, faith, worship, Listen, church, there is no more time for the church to be nice and accommodating. You need to make a decision about who is your Lord. You need to make a decision about what you're living for and what is worth dying for. You need to make a decision. Are you going to be in an eternity in heaven? Or are you going to be in an eternity in hell and quit playing with God in the middle? Because listen, there is a difference if you know him, if you are certain, and it makes all the difference with the people around you, and it makes all the difference in a church that is full of his spirit. 
full of his life, full of his love. Listen, church, that is the way it's supposed to be. It shouldn't be like, oh, I've never seen that in 16 years. But I have to concur with her. I can count on my hand how many times it's been that way. I can count on my hand the celebrations of funerals that I knew with all confidence where that person was. A lot of times what I do is I just preach the gospel because I have no idea. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. There's no comfort in that. There's no power in that. There's no hope in that. There's no life in that. There's no, there's no Jesus present in that. My Bible's flipping all over the place here. So take a look at verse one again. It says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for, for he is good. That is not my circumstances. Listen, not this world. He is good. That is life's hard, but God's good. For his steadfast love, listen, towards us, towards you, it, it never changes. It never falters. It endures. What? Forever. This psalm begins in ends with a word of praise, and in between, we see the faith journey of God's people, which isn't pretty. It's full of a lot of ups and downs. Anybody? But at the same time, what we also see is the unbelievable patience, goodness, and faithfulness of God in the midst of the journey of his people and there's a pattern of their journey. There's a pattern of, of how they went like this. And the pattern was this. They kept forgetting the goodness of God. They kept forgetting the, the love of God. And, and so there's this constant call in this psalm to, to remember. Hey, hey, quit forget. Remember. Remember my goodness. Remember my love to you because here's the reality. You know this to be true. When we forget, we fail. But when we remember, we walk in faith and victory. That was worth the price of admission right there. When we forget, we fail. But when we remember, listen, we can, we can feel it. We walk in faith and victory. Verse 7. Now we'll get to our text. Verse 7 says this. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not, what? Remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but re but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. That is, listen, God did all these miracles in Egypt when they were in bondage to set them free. All these signs he did, miraculous, huge, massive signs to communicate to them without a doubt, listen, it's me, 
I'm with you. I'm for you. But by the time they got to the Red Sea, they had forgotten. Against this new impossible situation, all that God had just done disappeared from their radar. And they murmured and they complained and they had no faith. They were scared spitless. And listen, with good reason, right? I, I mean, let's, let's face it. We understand they, they, they were pinned in. They, they had mountains on this side, mountains on that side, the uncrossable Red Sea in front of them, and Pharaoh's army bearing down upon them to kill them. They were not an army. They, they were a ragtag group of men and women and, and children. They had no way to defend themselves. They had nowhere to go. So understand what kind of situation we're talking about. Understand that they were going to get slaughtered. That's all they could see. And their kids and their babies were going to get slaughtered before their eyes. There was no way out. Verse 7 says, Our fathers did not consider your wondrous works. But that, that's hard in a situation like that, isn't it? That's hard to have faith in a situation like that, isn't it? Is it hard for you to have faith when you're facing a scary situation, when you're, you're facing the darkness, when you're facing the enemies that are coming from you at all sides, even though God's come through before you? Before, is it hard for you to consider his wondrous works, to consider his goodness and faithfulness, Christian? That is ultimately no matter what God has done for us in the past, no matter how he's come through, we will face another difficulty. We will face another problem. We will face another immovable situation. I wish it wasn't so. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus now. Because life is one problem-solving event after another. There you go. You're welcome. It is. That, that we got to get that expectation in our head so we're not thrown off. So no, no matter what God has done, we, we are going to face another challenge. And so the challenge is for us is to remember. To remember God's love towards us. To remember God's faithfulness to us because if we don't, then we're going to be like the Israelites. We're, we're going to get discouraged and, and we're going to accuse God and we're going to murmur and we're going to complain and we're going to get dismayed. And, and listen, Satan will knock us out of the box and he will beat us up and we will give up. So God delivered them and brought them out into freedom. And, and so here's what they said to Moses. Moses, you know, what are we doing out here? I mean, God has just brought us out here to crush us, man. That is, translation, God's not good. 
I mean, God has abandoned us. I mean, he delivered us just to let us get wiped out over here. Ever felt that way? Moses, why did we even start this thing if it was going to be this hard? Why did we even start this journey, Lord, if it was going to be this difficult? It was easier when I wasn't a Christian, Lord. I mean, does your faith journey ever feel that way? Listen, one moment you experience God's power, God's goodness. You experience his provision, his miracle, and it is awesome. It's awesome. But listen, it doesn't last, right? You go into a a longer period of pressure and pain and you find yourself enduring and you find yourself waiting and you find yourself longing and it's hard and you get tired and and so at some point, your, your heart cries out, the temptation is to ask God, God, what are you doing? Where are you? It feels like, you know, the ceiling is, is glass and everything's just kind of ricocheting back to me. I don't see. I, I don't understand. Listen, I know you. I know you, God. I, I can only go so far with it. I know you, but, but I'm so tired. I, I'm so exhausted. I'm so overwhelmed by all the enemies that are constantly surrounding me. The, the darkness that just seems to pervade from every single area. Lord, I don't see. I don't understand. Where are you? hard sometimes, isn't it? Verse 8. Yet he, that is God, saved them for what? His name's sake. That he might make known his mighty power. And so here's what's amazing about God. I, I love this verse because when God couldn't find any reason in his people that is they were full of complaining they were full of fear they were accusing God of not being good right they were full of unbelief they they were not contributing anything good when God could find no reason in his people to show his mighty power he looked to himself He looked to who he was and and he showed his mighty work on their behalf. He showed his mighty power on their behalf. Listen, because of who he is. He is a glorious God. He is a loving God. He is a faithful God. And and I love that. I I, I will pray that way. I, I think it's a good idea, especially when I'm discouraged. Lord, I'm crying out to you here. I, I'm, I'm just, I am discouraged. I know I shouldn't be, but I am. And so, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, listen, 
for your glory. But for, for your name's sake, please deliver me. Please move in this situation. Lord, for our church, you know, we're, we're easily distracted. We, we rebel so much. We, we believe so little. But Lord, for your name's sake, please bless your people. Encourage them. Call them to yourself. Fill them with your fire, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Move for your name's sake, for your glory, for your people. Move. And I do pray like that all the time. I was even doing it while I was running today. I think the person driving past me thought I was crazy because I was was pounding my chest and waving my arms. (laughs) Anyway. uh, The Bible says, you know, that according to your faith, it will be done unto you, right? And I believe that. And I do think that's God's expectation for us. That in obedience, the right way that we should face whatever situation we're in is we should pray in faith. The Bible says, the prayer of faith, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so I think we are to ask and believe it will be given and we're to seek and believe we will find and we are to knock and believe it will be open. That is how I think God would like his children to be, and he rewards that. But I'm also grateful. I just want to add, I'm also grateful that God chooses at times to move when there is no faith in me at all. I've told you the story many times about how God provided fully for my seminary, and I won't go into this story because it would take way too long, and there's many different facets of it. But I will just tell you at that particular point where God decided to move, I'd already given up. I had no faith. I was discouraged. I was dismayed. And yet, my good God decided to move anyway. And I tasted of the goodness of God like I have never tasted before. And I knew what that's all meant. (laughs) I will taste of the goodness of God in the land of the living. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Take a look with me at verse 9. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry. And he led them through the deep, through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. And the waters covered their adversaries, not what? One of them was left. This is a picture of God's redemption, obviously. And obviously, God does not save us through the Red Sea anymore, but he has saved us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, when you put your faith on Jesus' work for you on on your behalf, not one sin remains. Not one sin can be brought up against you. Not one sin remains survives 
Jesus' blood covers them all. Jesus completely conquered sin and death in your life. When you put your faith in him, you become more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You are set free from the power of sin and death, and you will live with him now, and you will live with him forever. There is no greater salvation, church. This psalm kind of is a picture, and if you read the whole thing, we're just reading piece of it, it kind of shows that, you know, life's a war, life's a battle. And, and one aspect of the battle that this particular passage points out, there's lots of aspects, is it kind of revolves around what you and I forget and what you and I remember. What you and I think about. <laughs> and Paul makes that point, right? He says, you know, the battle's in the mind, what we think about. And so this psalm is making the same point, but in a, a little bit different, different nuanced way. And that, you know, what we choose to remember and what we choose to forget controls our perspective. It controls the direction of our life. It, it controls the outlook of how we see things. And so listen, Satan has some things he wants you to remember. And Satan has some things he wants you to forget. And conversely, God has some things he wants you to remember. And God has some things he wants you to forget. That is straight up tonight. Satan is speaking to some of you, and he's wanting you to remember. He's wanting you to remember your sin. He's wanting you to remember your failure because he wants to keep you in that pattern of sin and failure. If he can convince you, that you're not forgiven, if he can convince you that you're not dead to sin, then he will keep you in that pattern. And if he can't have you, he will neutralize you. He wants you to remember. Remember that sin? Yeah. You, you knew you shouldn't do it, and you did it anyway. I mean, that's the 200th time, right? 300th? God's not going to forget that. Are you kidding me? God's not going to forgive that. He's not going to put up with that. Remember. He'll add to his assault. Forget. Forget the goodness of God in your life. Forget the love of God in your life. Forget the fact that he bled and died and covered all your sin. Forget his mercies that are new every morning. Forget the many times that he has provided for you, protected you, helped you over and over and over again. Forget, forgetting. At the same time, God is speaking to you tonight. Listen. Forget your sin. Yeah, forget that thing that you did the 200th time. I already knew you were going to do it. In fact, I knew you were going to do it before you knew that you were going to do it. 
And listen, I went to the cross anyway. And I died anyway. While you were yet a sinner, I died for you. I bled for you. I chose to love you. Listen, I have wiped it all away. Forget it. If I'm not going to bring it up, why are you? If my blood is sufficient and I say it's sufficient, why are you arguing with me? Romans 8.1, take a look on the screen, says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is, Jesus Christ has taken away all your sin. Not one remains. Not one remains to accuse you, to condemn you. He has removed all your guilt and shame. Christianity is not about guilt. It's about wiping away your guilt. It is about setting you free from sin. He has wiped it all away. And listen, he has imputed his righteousness to you. He not only takes away your sin, he puts in its place his righteousness. He puts in its place his perfection. And that's what Corey meant when he was sitting at the drum. He said, thank you for seeing us through your son and not through my sin. You become a new creation in Christ. You become born again. You are a totally new person. There is a spiritual transaction that happens. You go from death to life. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Take a look on the screen. It says this. Therefore, if, if anyone, that's, that's anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That is, God created us. He created them male and female in Genesis. But then when he went to the cross and he dealt with sin, our rebellion, listen, we become something new in Christ and we will have a new heaven and a new earth and we won't be able to wreck it with our sin because we're new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You need to know who you are. Death has no power over you. Sin has no power over you. Listen, you are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. You have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son, Colossians 1.13. Listen, the Holy Spirit has been put inside of you to walk in godliness, to walk in faith. 2 Peter 1.3, this promise is unbelievable. His divine power has granted to us everything, all things that pertain to life and godliness. What does that leave out? Nothing. Jesus says as well, remember, remember my goodness. Remember my love. Listen, 
Remember my good track record with you? You remember? You remember how I loved you first? You remember that? You remember how I rescued you when your back was against the wall? You remember how I've lifted you out of that pit that you dug for yourself a million times? Remember. Remember my faithfulness to you. Remember my goodness towards you. Remember. Verse 12 again. Then they believed his words. Good for them. They sang his praise. That is, man, their faith soared, their worship soared. I hope that happens with us as we close. Boom. They're with Jesus. Jesus is present. Things are happening. Verse 13. And there's that nasty word. But that is, it didn't last. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. Take a look again at that first part. It says, but they, but they what? Soon, they, they soon forgot his works. That is, God had moved. God had uh, displayed his power and his provision in their life and they experienced it and it was so good and they tasted of his goodness. They saw his mighty power. I mean, it was awesome. But they just went on to the next thing. You see, they, they, they had other situations. They had other problems. And so they just went on to the next thing. Do, do we ever do that? Yeah, thanks for what you did yesterday, God. But you know what? I got I got these bills today. I've got these conflicts today. I've got this need today. I've got and we soon forget. And not that we don't have those problems, but we gotta bring God's goodness and faithfulness and love into what we're facing in the future. Or listen we will get discouraged and we will get dismayed and we will give up and we will live in unbelief. And unbelief is really a root of a lot of other wickedness in a believer's heart. You start unbelieving, you start accusing God of being not good and the wickedness and rebellion that comes into your life will be like dominoes. And you will live in negativity. You will live in a darkness of soul you can't get out of. And so this passage is, is beckoning us. Listen, life's one problem-solving event after another. And so we get that. And we can't give in to the pressure and pain because that's what happens, you know, God comes through, but then that the pressure gets bad enough, the pain gets bad enough, and that temptation comes screaming that God's not going to come through this time. God's going to fail me this time. God, God hates me. Oh, why is my life so hard? Everybody else seems so easy. All that stuff. We get tempted to be dismayed. And so this passage is saying, listen, we, we don't live that way. We need to forget our past. 
the former things. And we need to remember, we need to remember the unbelievable love that God has shed upon us. The God of the universe humbled himself, became one of us, became a baby. Let people spit on him, beat him, put him on a cross. Listen, God could have wiped us all out in an instant. What kind of love, what kind of patience does that take? It is amazing. He drove a stake in the ground 2,000 years ago for us to look back to and say, yep, if I ever doubt it, he loves me. And he loves you. We need to remember. We need to remember his good track record with us. We need to remember when we weren't looking for him, he was looking for us. You bunch of rebels. Me included. God ran me down. I didn't run to God. I just finally said, Uncle. We need to remember how faithful he's been how good he has been. Listen, so that we have the atmosphere of faith that we need to honor him. Listen, so that we experience his peace and his presence and his power. So that we're not living in the darkness of soul, so that we're not allowing circumstances to dictate what we believe and how we feel. We're allowing God's word to dictate what we believe and how we feel. We're allowing God himself to be our strength, to be our refuge, to be the one to whom we are looking, to be our provision, to be our power, to be our peace, to be our joy. You see, we are different. Ultimately, I want to close with this. We are totally dependent on his deliverance. And yet we are totally secure in his sovereignty. I am totally dependent on his deliverance. And yet, I am secure in his sovereignty. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, if you take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith, right? The whole chapter just, it's like, you know, they had faith. God did something awesome. They had faith. God did something awesome. They had faith. God did something awesome. You're going, yeah, I want that. I want to be that guy. I want to be that gal. Yep, yep, yep. I'm, I'm, yeah. And then the last part says, yeah, and then there were these other faithful. They didn't get delivered from the lion. They got ate by him. There were these other faithful. They got sawn in half. That is, listen, we must see our lives and we must really believe. You have to really believe. We must see our lives in terms of that, their totality. We've been blessed in the heaven realms with every spiritual blessing. Listen, I'm not looking for everything to be fulfilled in this life. I I know there's a a grander plan. I, I know that this is the prelude, you know, that's the play. This is the preseason, that's the full season. 
And see, when we set our, our, our hearts and, and, and our minds there, then listen, whatever God decides here that he says, this is what's best for you to be like Christ and for me to use you, then I will accept that because I want what's best from God, whether I got get eaten from the lion or I get delivered from the lion. Now, if I'm going to choose, I, I want delivered. Stephen in Acts. Man, all the apostles are doing amazing things by the power of the Lord and bold testimony. Stephen, he gets stoned. And yet he was a great man of faith. And his testimony for Jesus was just as important. And he received what was God's best for him to be most Christ-like, most effective for his kingdom. That is, if you truly love God and that's truly your prayer, I want to be as Christ-like as I can be. And I want to be used for your kingdom for whatever I need to be. Then I am willing to, listen, be totally dependent on your deliverance. I'm going to pray for it. But listen, I'm securing your sovereignty. Whatever it means. God, because I know you will do what's best, even though the world might not always define what's best, what's happening in the way that I would, because listen, my hope is not here. It's there. Now, listen, I found that God is always way better to me than I deserve that God provides more than I need, you know? He doesn't give us all that we want, but this is what I know. He always fulfills his promises in our life. You see, that doesn't mean it always looks the way that we want. He's always faithful. All his promises are yes and amen in Christ, period. That verse is true. And so sometimes though, we have to look back and say, well, I'm not going to totally understand how that all fits together until I get to heaven and I see all things from God's perspective. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.